Welcome to the Doug Peterson Show. J.P. Shadrick and former Jaguar Jeff Lagerman discuss the latest Jaguars news with the head coach. The Doug Peterson Show starts right now. Welcome in the Doug Peterson Show from Michigan. The Jaguars and the Lions joint practices Wednesday, Thursday, and now preparing for week two of the preseason coming up Saturday, 1 o'clock, Ford Field in downtown Detroit. The Lions entertain the Jacksonville Jaguars. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman will hear... Uh, from the head coach back in studio with us week one before the Jaguars face the Indianapolis Colts. They're kind of busy this time of year. Training camp underway, the joint practices, and then, of course, next week really kind of ramping up preparations and a dress rehearsal scenario for the Dolphins coming to town next week. Then they got to cut the roster down, everything that comes with that. Uh, then there's the kind of the bye weekend before the regular season begins. So there's a lot to get to. We'll hear from Doug again in a few weeks' time. We're going to hear from him coming up in a little bit from his press conference earlier this week. But, hey, two days on the practice field here in Detroit, Logs. Uh, pads on Wednesday and no pads today, but plenty of good work getting in. Both teams feel like they're ascending. The, the Lions in the NFC North, it's a totally changed division now. Aaron Rodgers is in New York. Uh, that changes the dynamic of the entire division, and they were right there on the doorstep last year anyway and maybe they can take that next step. The Jags broke through and got to the playoffs in a wild rally at the end. They're built for something great ahead. So it's two ascending teams feeling like they're getting a lot of work done this week. Well, both teams ended last year on a real positive note, even though the Detroit Lions didn't make the playoffs, to be able to, to beat the Green Bay Packers. And here's the thing I think that was impressive. I think they knew before the game that they were out of the playoffs, but yet they still – beat the Green Bay Packers, which gave them a sweep of the Green Bay Packers, which has been you know, the, the, the team that's been controlling that central division for many years. And so I give a lot of credit to Dan Campbell for motivating his football team and playing in an in a excellent game and winning that game in a game that really didn't have any importance. And they finished the season. I mean, they started the season out at 1-6, and six, and then they ended up finishing it strong. You know, so credit to Dan Campbell, and there's a lot of excitement. They were nine and eight to finish the season. You know, the Jaguars were nine and eight, won the division. You know, so I think both teams were excited about the year and talked with Dan Campbell a little bit after practice today. You know, an old player kind of talking to another old player, and, and I asked him about his football team, and he said, "Look, we're, we're really excited about our football team. We feel like we got a real good chance." And and he really appreciated the work of yesterday and today that they had with the Jaguars. And he said that, you know, any time you can get a look against different scheme, which the Detroit Lions run more of a 4-3 of a defense, right? The Jaguars run a 3-4, so it's a different scheme look there. But then he also was going on and on and on about the Jaguars' length that they have on defense. You know, when you look at Trayvon and Josh and, Roy and Godsis and, and Roy Roberts and Harris, I mean, yeah. some big, tall fellows, you know, and whereas his defensive line – He's got some length on the, on the edge there with Aiden Hutchinson, but besides him, there's not as much length. And he, so he felt it was great work for his football team, also great work for his defense against an offense that has a lot of talent like the Jaguars do. So I think both head coaches came away from these two days with a real positive attitude towards what they accomplished in two days. We've had a really firsthand look at the Jaguars' offense this training camp, of course, and we haven't seen the full 
the full go offense. They, they're far away from that. They're going to hold all that until week one of the regular season. But you're seeing in moments in practice out here in Detroit some of the same things we've seen against the Jaguars back home, right? I mean, the, these guys are dynamic at wide receiver. They're able to get open in the red zone. Plenty of seven-on-seven seven and team red zone goal line corner touchdown passes. And that's what kind of stood out to me this week. You're, you're going to see – I don't want to say a basic. You're going to see the meat and potatoes offensive game plan in these joint type of practices, yeah. okay? You're not going to see, okay, we've designed a play because they like to play cover two man when we get to this particular yard line. Right, and number X is over right. here now. Exactly, let's, and let's, we can take advantage of yeah, this matchup, no. our guy against that guy. Pre-snap motions, you're, you're, no, none of that. None of that, no. okay? And you won't see any of that on Saturday at 1 o'clock against the Detroit Lions either because that's just not what this preseason is about. This preseason is about working the core of your offense, getting an honest evaluation of your personnel you start game planning. You'll have a little bit of a game plan with the Miami Dolphins just because you want to see how some of these guys on the fringe of the roster can digest an offensive game plan, how they can handle it. Uh, but for the most part, the real game planning and, I, and, and for me, the real specialness of this Jaguars offense because they have some incredible offensive minds with – uh, with Doug Peterson and, and also also uh, Press Taylor. I mean, these guys, Mike McCoy, Phil Roush, I mean, these guys are all really sharp offensive game planners. So, I mean, that's, but they're, they're, they don't want to show all their secrets in the preseason, you know. And, and here's the other thing. This Detroit Lions offense also has a very young, sharp mind in Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson was, from what I hear, was offered the job, if you remember, with the Carolina Panthers, but then pulled his name out of the running and said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay where I am, which, which is huge for the Detroit Lions. Yeah. And Ben Johnson is going to be, if the Lions have another good offensive year, he will be the hot young candidate to be the next head coach in the National Football League. That's how bright of a mind that he has. Now, Talked with Mark Brunell about it because, you know, you hear that stuff, and so I go and ask Mark Brunell. Well, who's the real deal here. Right? He's the quarterback's coach of the Detroit Lions, former Jaguar great. I mean, and, uh, you know, uh, still got a lot of roots in Jacksonville. We'll always have roots in Jacksonville. And he said, Jeff, he goes, you, you wouldn't believe it. He goes, and, and Ben's younger than Mark. Mark's been around the game longer than many. But he said, he said, look, Ben is an incredibly bright mind. He goes, he's one of the brightest offensive minds that I've ever had the exposure of being around. That is high praise, incredibly high praise coming from Mark Brunell. Yeah, it, it's, he's been in the game for what? He played for Mark? darn near 20 years, I, right? Yeah, you know, I think he might have played for 20 years. <laughs> I don't know. But he's been around the game for a long time. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot of experience. Been, been a lot, and, I, and here's the other thing I was talking to Mark, and I said, all right, I got I to gotta know the answer to this. Because, you know, part of the uh, getting ready for the game and this week is that you know how I am? I've got my game board here. You know, a perfect example of it here. It's it's kind of a flip card that hmm. it's got a lot of colors to it and everything. And and so as I'm doing the Detroit Lions depth chart, I'm going down and I'm sitting there looking at okay, okay, Jared Goff starter. Number two is Nate Sudfeld. Number three is a guy by the name of Adrian Martinez who I don't know him. And then Hendon Hooker, a draft pick, right? And Hendon Hooker was a third-round pick. You yeah. know, had the ACL last year against yeah. South Carolina mm -hmm. and is still coming back. He's on the NFI list. Mm -hmm. And then I see Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, that's right. 
And I'm looking on the roster, and as I'm putting the information in, Teddy Bridgewater is wearing number 50. And so I, I, I went to and I, I practice yesterday, Teddy Bridgewater, and I thought it was a misprint. But no, Teddy Bridgewater is wearing 50. Yep. And so I had to ask Mark today, I said, why in the world is Teddy Bridgewater wearing 50? Right? I mean, first of all, he's a quarterback, and he's going to be their backup this year. He's going to probably supplant Nate Sudfeld as the backup. And he said this. He said, in the preseason, players can wear whatever numbers they want to wear because you got, you know, 90 guys on the, on the roster in training camp. And he said that Teddy Bridgewater has always worn number five. And so I said, okay, so who's wearing number five? And he said, well, David Montgomery. Yeah, the running back. Okay, David Montgomery was here before Teddy Bridgewater, and he claimed number five. Well, David Montgomery wore number 32 for all of the years that he was a Chicago Bear. So right now, Teddy Bridgewater and David Montgomery are in negotiations mm-hmm. for the number five. Brian Branch is number 32 now for the Lions. Second-round so, pick well, safety from that's Alabama that's who right. wears number 32. So my question is this. Did David Montgomery not want to wear 32, which would allow him to wear the number he's always had, let the rookie figure it out because he wore 14 at Alabama. 14 is available, I believe. No, I'm on Ross St. Brown as 14. Oh, he definitely's not getting that No chance. No (laughs) chance at all. I don't know the Lions' politics, but I don't think that's happening. It's just funny how, how, you know, one story you ask a question about why a guy's wearing 50, and then you see how this whole chain of events for jersey numbers and everything kind of works with a roster. Interesting. We're back in a moment, Logs. We'll get into the Jaguars' offense and some players up front that have been deemed up this week and what it might mean moving ahead for this Jaguar team we are off and running as the Doug Peterson show on the Jaguars radio network welcome back the Doug Peterson show continues right now Welcome back. It is the Doug Peterson Show. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman from the Team Hotel in Troy, Michigan. The Jaguars and the Lions practicing yesterday and today. The preseason Week 2 game coming up Saturday, 1 o'clock at Ford Field. Uh, we continue with some of the uh, aftermath of yesterday's practice. A few guys banged up for the Jaguars yesterday. Let's start on offense, on the offensive line. Josh Wells not out there today. There could be some time away for him um and yeah he, then, he wasn't even dressed today no. he was on the side wearing sweatpants and tennis shoes that's right uh anton harrison left practice yesterday was back out there today and some one-on-one stuff didn't do a lot of the team or really any of the team 11 on 11 stuff today but you know he was out there in uniform has the harness on his right shoulder and uh you might see him in the game on saturday yeah the for, for an offensive lineman a young offensive lineman, you never want to see anybody get hurt. The shoulder is uh, one of the most complicated joints in the body, okay? And for an offensive lineman, the the ability to control a defender is everything w- when it comes to the shoulder. You know, that's what you got to have. And and that's something that's going to be worth watching and uh, it's probably going to be a situation where he's just going to have to manage it throughout the season. And then you know, at the end of the season, and you take a look at it, see where it's at, and if, you know, maybe does it need something fixing, I, I don't know. But that's typically when you see a guy wear a harness, that, that means that there's something wrong that needs to be fixed. But with the season upon us nearly, you want to make sure that he's available. And I 
you know, played a couple different seasons with a shoulder harness, and at the end of those seasons, have had to have, have something surgically fixed. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens. Tyler Shatley still off to the side after the AFib episode. Still getting some work on the side, but they haven't put him back into the team drills yet. Coy Cronk off to the side again, but was back in there. I think you said it on an earlier show in Jacksonville today, Logs. Back in there late in the team periods today. That's a yep. good sign for him. And a big week to do that. He's got to get some time in this game uh, coming up Saturday. It's a lot on the offensive side. Skill guys, knock on wood, so far so good for the most part. You there. had to say it, didn't you? But, hey, you know, that's part of the game, right? The offensive line yesterday was really the first kind of big day on the field things happen. So uh, let's see what happens moving ahead there. Now, that said, um, you know, we talked about Harrison most likely getting some time. You know, you need to see Walker Little a little bit more. Um, not only at left tackle, maybe at left guard. I don't know if this is the weekend game for that, but we'll see, right? Well, Walker Little is you – know, you want to get your young offensive lineman reps, okay? And so, like, Brandon Sheriff probably won't even play him at all, Why would okay, you? in this game Why against you? Detroit. You've also got Fortner in at center, and you're a little light at that position with Shatley out, so I, they probably will protect him would be my guess. Left guard, you've you got a lot of guys that are going to be possibly playing there. Yeah, Barch hasn't played yet. So. And I don't know if Barch will play in this game yet. Uh, He's finally know. getting some reps today. And, and well, he had reps yesterday in one-on-one, yeah. on one, and he looked really – he had really good start in the one-on-one, on one, was impressive, and, and that was good to see because he's battled that from a significant knee injury that he sustained early stage of last year. Uh, I, but I expect a guy like Walker Little to get a lot of snaps. He's a young tackle. He's still developing. He needs the reps. And then Cam Robinson will probably get a ton of reps as well because, you know what, pretty soon he's not going to have any reps in, or any practice or anything none for that the, matter. None of the above. So my guess is that Walker Little will play a good bit, and then Cam will play a lot, and then you'll maybe save the last series or two for one of your third-team guys to get some snaps at left tackle. But, yeah, so some of your offensive line are going to play. But your skill position guys like Evan Ingram and Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, uh, Calvin Ridley, I, I don't expect those guys to be – I expect them to be on the field in uniform and go through you know the pregame warm up, yeah, and then after that, okay, put take the pads off, put your jersey on over top of it, and let's root your uh, teammates on. Because I mean, let's be honest, the the wide receiver group is one of those positions where you need to figure out who the the last one or two players to make it as a wide receiver or special teams player will be. So, may they may not see a lot of the field on offense this season, but. They need to be able to get that get out there in case something happens, and certainly the special teams for those guys will be big. There is there's some guys that are really impressive. I mean, once you get past the guys we just mentioned, you know, Agnew, Ridley, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, the guys that are that are past that, I think is it's it's a really good group of guys. Mm -hmm. And I'm when I say really good group of guys that if if they had to play this year for you, I would have all the confidence in the world in Parker Washington. Yeah. Okay, draft pick from Penn State. Uh, he, I think he's a really good slot type of wide receiver. They trust him because they have him returning kicks and punts. He is a uh, physical, sh shorter guy, kind of like Christian Kirk, but he's built like a running back, and he's strong when he runs with the ball, watching his film at Penn State. So 
So I like him. Kevin Austin has made some great strides. You also have Jacob Harris, who's a veteran guy that's got the size, the build, the ability, the range to make the, the I'm going to do the alley-oop catch. Now, what is he, 6'5", 211 pounds? I mean, big dude. Uh, so, I mean, I like those guys. I mean, if I had to play a football game with those guys playing alongside of Christian Kirk and Isaiah, if I had, you know, like one of my top two receivers out, I would have all the confidence in the world in those guys. Plenty ahead. We're back in a moment with the Jaguars' defense the last two days. What have you seen from that group against a talented uh, tackle pair? Bookend tackles for the Detroit Lions. That and much more ahead. Jags fans want customized Jaguars furniture for your home? Check out ZipChair.com and browse all customizable options. ZipChair, furniture for fans. This is the Doug Peterson Show on Jaguars Radio. Welcome back. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now. It's not about, you know, who's the tougher man. It's about getting good work in. And uh, it's going to be physical. I mean, that's just the way padded practices are. Um, you know, our guys understand, you know, that, that uh, we're here to work and, and, and to get, get some quality time, you know, done. Doug Peterson before Wednesday's practice, the Jags and the Lions wearing pads yesterday. Welcome back to the Doug Peterson Show. The full availability with the head coach of is now up on Jaguars.com and Jaguars YouTube. Um, we're t- continuing our conversation. You know, yesterday, Logs, you uh, said on Huddle Up, also available on Jaguars.com and the Jaguars YouTube channel, that uh, it might have been the best pass-rushing day for the Jaguars in training camp. How do they look today? I know they didn't have pads today. Overall, how would you assess the the pass rushing group that's the the guys in the middle and the guys on the edge against this Lions offensive line this week. I, I thought that uh, Trayvon Walker, obviously, which is one of the major topics of the pass rush, I thought he had another good day uh, against the Detroit Lions right tackle Penesul, who is regarded as one of the best right tackles in football. So that was encouraging. Uh, I think the rest of Roy Robertson Harris again had another good day. Roy Roy's a good football player. And, uh, I mean, a good football player that can rush the passer, stop the run from that interior of the defensive line. I think he's going to be uh, have his best year ever as a pro. He's looked strong. I thought that uh, Josh Allen had a, had a pretty decent day over there. But, it, it, again, it's no pads. And so you kind of take a little bit of that with a grain of salt because there is – and I think the Detroit Lions wanted to be in pads today. You know, talk to their – offensive line coach and he was like you know yeah our guys are kind of disappointed that we're not in pads today but that's what the Jaguars wanted to do was to have pads on the first day no pads on the second day and uh you know it's just if that's what you have as a, a plan in mind if you're Doug Peterson then so be it and I and I get that approach uh, that Doug has because today is Thursday the game is Saturday so if you have a padded practice on a Thursday that's that's hard to turn around and evaluate somebody to be at their best when two days of rest typically are what's needed to be at your best for a preseason game, right? Uh, yeah. So if you're cracking heads on Thursday, it's you know it's hard to turn around and crack heads again on Saturday in a game atmosphere. So so I I, I get Doug's approach, and uh, I mean from a selfish standpoint, I would have liked to have seen him in pads today, just because it gives me another opportunity to evaluate and more conversation about live drills, et cetera. But from 
the ultimate decision, which is Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke trying to evaluate their roster. They want to evaluate their their roster going into a game, treating it like it's a game and have you know no pads on Thursday. Friday's a very light walkthrough day, and then okay, Saturday, here we go, it's a game day. Second level of this Jaguars defense. So we know what uh, Foyer Lewican has done certainly the last two years. He's, He's led awesome. the NFL in tackles. He's always seems to be where he needs to be and Great lining others up and getting them in where they need to be. Maybe there's not as much of that this year with Devin Lloyd maybe taking a step in that regard. What have you seen out of Devin, especially this week now against a different-looking group? And, you know, he only played, I think, nine snaps last week against the Cowboys or something. But this is an environment where you're going to see more against the number one uh, Lions offense. Yeah, the first of all, to talk about Foyer for a minute, I, I think he's a tremendous leader. I mean, along the lines of Paul Puzlesny. I mean, he's, he's excellent. He's constantly communicating he is the leader of the defense, and and I and I love his game. He's active. He never runs out of energy. He plays the 65th play like he plays the the first and the second and the third snap. You know, he's just got that energy. I I don't know how he does it. I mean, he's. I'm just wondering if he's like one of those uh, uh, cyclists. You know, that overseas it just has endless energy. <laughs> is he going to the Going to there, he's doing the Tour de France or something. He, I mean, he's just, he's amazing uh, the energy level that he has. But when you talk about Devin Lloyd, and I think we talked about this on Huddle Up, is that when they break the huddle last year, you used to watch Devin Lloyd break the huddle. Okay, here we go. First thing he did, if, if you're Foya Luke, and he breaks the huddle, and he looks at the offense, and then he goes, and stares at me. He, yeah. st- <laughs> he, he was look, he looked to Foya. Yeah. <laughs> and he constantly was looking to Foyer to get the adjustments, the calls. And there's nothing wrong because, you know, a defensive captain will give a call, okay, left or right for the strength so you can set the defense, okay. And after that, then you don't need to look at him anymore unless there's some, you know, some unspoken adjustment, body language kind of signage, stuff like that. But that was it was way too much for Devin Lloyd. And it, and it was a sign that he didn't have confidence in the scheme last year. And it made him a step slower in the diagnosis of the plays. And, and that's one of the reasons why he got benched. And then they ended up playing um, uh, the backup. Chad uh, Muma. Uh, Chad Muma. That's why they played Chad for a couple games. Started Chad for two games. And Devin admitted that his head was swimming mm-hmm. and then he lost confidence. And now when you see them break the huddle, you don't see Devin looking to Foyer. I mean, maybe for an instant, just so that they they make sure they're on the same page. But then you see him looking at the offense. And that's that's what you want to see. When he gets to that point where, all right, I know what I'm doing, okay? Now I just need to figure out what they're doing so that I can anticipate and get ready to go where I need to go. There was one uh, yesterday, first play of 11-on-11. He drops back, kind of drifting back into the right, and Goff whistles one over him, but he reaches out. One-handed interception, incredible play on the ball. Just the awareness to be in that spot and still make a play. It was really out of his reach, but he made an exceptional play because he was in a a place where he could make the play. He was close enough to be there. The six inches, right? That's a big difference. If you're a step behind, he doesn't get his hand on that football. What, let's go back to the draft. What was the one strong trait 
that was always talked about with Devin Lloyd with a lot of the things that they went through at Utah. You remember that? Because they had a uh, they had a tragedy on yes. Utah's campus. They did, yes. And the and there I, were two players that were killed. Yes, a couple of players that were killed, and Devin was one of the guys that helped lead the team through a lot of that tough time. Yeah. So leadership. Leadership. That, was, that's that's the character trait that everybody talked about, that right? That was a big one, yes. Okay. Last year with Devin, and when you're a rookie, it's, it's hard to be a leader because if you don't know what the hell you're doing – you can't lead other people because you, you need to, you need to take care of your house, your space before you can worry about leading other people. And this year you're starting to see Devin comfortable. Mm. And then if he can get everything down, this isn't this is a, an exceptional leader. I mean exceptional leader. You've talked to him. Uh, yeah. You see how he interacts with his teammates. You see how much respect that they have for him. But you can't be a leader until you have productivity and success as a player. So if he can get that, okay, if he can get that success, then he can become even more impactful for this defense because he can also bring that leadership skill set to this defense to add to what Foyer has, which would be tremendous. A little later, we'll get into the secondary for this Jaguars team and some questions there at that number three cornerback spot. But when we come back, Jamal Agnew, Jaguars wide receiver and kick returner on the strategies that could be in play in the return game this year. That's next on the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars radio network. Welcome back. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now. We're back, J.P. Shatter, Jeff Lagerman. The Doug Peterson Show continues on the Jaguars radio network from Detroit, where the Jaguars and the Lions practiced the last two days. A former Lion is now on the Jaguars. Jamal Agnew logs, mm-hmm. wide receiver, kick returner. We know what he can do in the return game. We saw flashes of what he can do in the offense as well. You know, sweeps, handoffs, whatever you want to do with it. Normal routes as a wide receiver. He's just grown as the years have gone. And it is cool to see a lot of the folks, the staffers for the Lions, welcome him back with open arms this week. Yeah, you know? and look, he's uh, he's one of one of the favorites of the Jaguar staff. I mean, they love Jamal Agnew. You're talking about a guy that was a former defensive back that then was moved to the offensive side of the ball who was a returner all along. And then the Jaguars integrate him to the offensive side of, of things. And now you hear Doug Peterson talk about him. He goes, look, we love him. He can play every position. You're like, I'm like, what? You're like, yeah, he can play all three wide receiver positions. He can play running back. I mean, he's a guy that's versatile. And there, the more you can do – wherever you are, whether you're a special teamer, uh, an offensive player, or a defensive player. And this goes back to the old saying that Mr. Bill Hampton used to tell me he was the head equipment guy in the New York Jets going all the way back to the Joe Namath years. And he always said this. He said, young man, the more you can do. That's all he would say. Young man, the more you can do. And the more you can do in football, the more valuable you make yourself. Because on game day, the, the coaches are restricted to 53 guys. So if you prove your value that you can play four positions on offense, okay, and play special teams, 
That's a guy that you want to make sure that's on your roster all the time. Agnew returning to face his old team this week, and yes, hearing it from the opposing sideline throughout practice. Nah, it's part of the joint practice experience, um, and, and that's what you love. Uh, you love to come out here and compete. Um, you know, we are ready to compete against somebody other than ourselves. You know, we've been practicing against each other for two, three weeks now. Um, you know, DBs are starting to learn our routes and moves and stuff, so it was good to compete against other people, but, you know, we expect that from joint practices. Like Doug talked about it before we got here was be smart. It's going to get chippy. Um, that's just how it is, but just be smart. Don't take it too far. How better of a receiver are you now than three – two, three years ago? Uh, light years for sure, just because I feel like every year I've continued to grow, um, add elements to my game, uh, add versatility to my game. Um, my goal coming into this year was to you know, be the, the best number four receiver in the league. Um, obviously, we got, a, we got a tremendous trio in Zay, Kirk, and, and Reed. And you know, my goal when I told the staff this was, you know, if anybody goes down, God forbid, I want to come in and there be no drop in production, you know, plays being made everything like that. So um, that's something I pride myself on, for sure. It takes brains and smarts to hang with that group, right? I mean, it, it, especially in your role, you got to step in if somebody's down and run all those routes. You got to know every route tree, every every line, everywhere to line up yeah. in this offense. And that's not just you, that's everybody in the offense because they can flip things around, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what that's that's one thing we, uh, we kind of pride ourselves on in our offense is just versatility, you know, moving pieces around. Um, now, even if it's a running back, um, you know, we sometimes put receivers in that running back, you know, run stuff out the backfield. Um, you know, we, we have a, such a versatile group with, you know, like our tight ends, Evan, Brenton, our running backs, Travis, Tank, Dearness, Hasty. Like, we, we have weapons galore, I feel like. But, you know, we just got to we gotta gel as an offense, um, be consistent and start fast. Start, starting fast is probably our biggest goal this year. How do you do that? Uh, just locking in, um, making the plays that we're supposed to make. Um, Converting on third downs, scoring in the red zone, you know, that's one thing we need to pride ourselves on this year. Um, you know, we finished games really well last year. Obviously, um, that's history, but, you know, we just got to come out here and start fast now. Jamal, uh, there's a new rule this year where you can fair catch on kickoffs. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how often you'll be doing that, right? Nah, we probably won't be doing that much. I, nah, I'm just kidding. If it was up to me, I'll return everything, but it's a little strategic. Um, obviously, off of the year we had last year, you know, in the return game, Teams are probably going to start doing those bloop kicks, you know, to the five-yard line, kind of red line-ish. Um, and those are tough for returners to get, get to, especially even myself. Um, so it's got to be decision-making and, like, hey, this week, if we get bloop kicks, maybe we want a fair catch just to save field position, you know. You know, this game's all about field position and, you know, giving the offense momentum because getting pinned inside the 20 is a terrible feeling for the offense. Right. I mean, there's not many returners of your caliber in the league. If all these other teams are starting to fair catch, that could give this group an advantage, right? Field position's big, yeah, flipping the field a couple times, yeah. take one to the house a couple times a year, maybe more than that. Yeah. That's something a lot of teams don't have right now. Exactly, and uh, I feel like the return game gets overlooked to a certain extent nowadays just because of the rule changes and everything, yeah. but it was, it, was super, it was super important for us in that, that run we had last year towards the end of the season. So um, that's something we pride ourselves on is giving our offense good field position, but also it, it gives you momentum. Like, you know, the, the fans get into it, um, the sideline gets into it, and just the whole team, the, the energy just changes. Jamal Agnew, Jaguars wide receiver and kick returner. I mean, he's had the green light in the past. Why would that change now? But it's a good point there. The strategy could change a bit. The book's out a little bit on this uh, return game for the Jags. Maybe they pop it up a little more and try to force some fair catches. We'll see what the 
season holds for that group and certainly Jamal Agnew for the Jags. Let's come back in a moment. We'll discuss that conversation and some more of the Jaguars wide receivers. This is the Doug Peterson Show on Jaguars Radio. Welcome back. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now. From the team hotel in Troy, Michigan, the Doug Peterson Show continues. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman, head coach Doug Peterson, joining us week one of the regular season before the Jaguars face the Indianapolis Colts. The last two days, though, they have faced the Detroit Lions in joint practices at Allen Park at the Lions facility, about 18 miles away or so from the team hotel. And, of course, Saturday, 1 o'clock kickoff time for preseason week two, the Jags and the Lions at Ford Field in downtown Detroit. We heard from Jamal Agnew just a moment ago, wide receiver, kick returner. And I, I thought the, the quote that really stood out for me was, he wants to be the best number four receiver in the NFL. He, he understands his role in this wide receiver room in this offense. It's the big three, right? Ridley, Kirk, Zay Jones. And then Agnew's kind of that guy that can plug in everywhere. He's got to know every spot. All those receivers have to know every spot, by the way. But certainly Agnew, if somebody's down, he's the next guy in there. And he's got to know every tree and, and where to go and what it means in the offense. And when they're all healthy and rolling and they're all on the field together, that creates just a totally different issue for the defense. Yeah, I, mean, I think you, you brought up a great point about being the best number four. It shows an unselfishness. And a lot of guys would have the mindset, if they were the number four, that, they hey, look, I want to be the best – wide receiver on this football team. I want to be number one, you know, and throw me the damn ball. I mean, you can have that attitude. <laughs> right. and, yeah. and that's, I think, was what's unique and special about the wide receiver group. And I'm kind of including Evan Ingram in there because, I mean, he's kind of a – Why not? Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a wide receiving tight end. And so that, that, it's really encouraging to, to see and to hear that attitude out of, out of Jamal because – you hear it all the time out of Zay and Kirk. I mean, they talk about, hey, look, if, if it's Zay's day, it's Zay's day. You know, Christian says that. And Zay will say, hey, look, if it's Christian's day it's, or Evan's day, that's, then it's their day. You know, it's about winning. And that's, that's ultimately what you have to have. You have to have an unselfish room. And that has always been one of the, I think, traits of Doug Peterson's offenses, okay, in all the years that he's been coaching is that he has always relied upon multiple, multiple weapons. It's never been a Calvin Ridley-centric offense. It's never about one guy. It's about the system, the team, and the production of the offense as a unit. Last year, uh, receivers on this team, you know, all had success in yardage yeah, and, look, catches, and catches. I mean, look, everything spread the wealth. Zay and Christian both had over 80 catches. I'm the only duo in the National Football League to be able to do that. And I think a little bit of that is going to come into the running back room this, this year. Yeah. Because I believe that Tank's, Tank Bigsby is going to be a legitimate guy to share the load with ETN, whereas last year we saw ETN and then a little bit of Jermichael Hasty. I think this year we're going to see a little bit of ETN, okay, a little bit of Tank Bigsby, and then a little bit less of Jermichael Hasty, but he will still be involved. So, I mean, that's, that's really encouraging when you have that depth 
at the skill position like the Jaguars have, knock on wood, you know, everybody stays healthy because that's what you want to have through the season. Put it this way, the, even like the running back depth, that room, you're, you're probably going to have to, you're going to say goodbye to Snoop Connor, who is at what what round was he last year? A draft pick last year. Yeah, mid-rounds. Uh, yeah, mid-round, yeah. fourth or fifth or somewhere in that. Yep. And he's probably going to be out because you now have a really good room and you just don't have you know the space to keep a guy like that. But that's, when you become a good football team, then you're going to have some cuts that include some previous mid to high draft picks that are going to happen. That's just, just part of the deal. We'll return and hear from head coach Doug Peterson on the Lions game last year. The Lions put a 40-burger on the Jags a last 40 season. 40 burger We're back in a moment. This is the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. Welcome back. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now moments throughout a course of a, uh, an NFL year where there's there's games there's you know uh, situations it might be could be an injury to your team whatever it might be that, that kind of uh, spurs a little bit inside of everybody coaches and players and and uh, obviously that was a that was a moment that wasn't our best and and uh, we, we seem to kind of figure it out from there and, and, and flip it flip it around after that I'd say that's uh, head coach Doug Peterson discussing last season's loss to the Detroit Lions at Ford Field, a 40-14 to final. The Lions blasted the Jags that day here in Detroit. Welcome back to the Doug Peterson Show, J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman. After that point, the Jaguars won their final five of the regular season and walked down the Tennessee Titans and won the AFC South in uh, week 18 with that win over Tennessee and Jacksonville to get it done, but that Lions game was the last Jaguars loss. Of course, practices this week against the Lions, bringing back some of those memories, and hey, uh, don't let it happen again like that, but uh, Doug's right. It sometimes takes a moment like that, and earlier in the season, you could argue that the interception in London on the goal line kind of did that for Trevor, right, personally, got him to not throw as many of those anymore, Uh, but the team had that wake-up call in Detroit and then got their act together. Yeah, they did a good job, and, and uh, they were just coming off a, a big win against the Baltimore Ravens. So uh, I think it kind of taught them, hey, look, and stay grounded after the win and, and, and be ready to play. And they got throttled. And the Detroit Lions were a good football team, and the Detroit Lions uh, have some offensive weapons and some good quarterback play. And, and when you're not ready to go against a good football team, it can make you look bad sometimes. And that's kind of what happened. And and they were able to bounce back, so they, I mean they did a good good job with that. But yeah, I mean sometimes a young football team has to take some lumps as part of the learning process, and that was certainly one of those lumps from last year. Last year's in the rear view, though. It's and time what, to look forward. And what was disappointing in that game for me was, first of all, the, the Lions were up and down the field at will, and the defense just had zero answer. And I thought it would be a bit of a shootout game. I really did. Because the Lions' defense at that time, if you'll remember, I mean, they were like one of the worst defenses in the league. And they were playing a ton of guys that were in their first year, rookies. And the Jaguars just didn't have any kind of rhythm as an offense. Mm-hmm. So the disappointment in that game, because I mean, the defense was struggling at points, you know, in the middle of the season. So you kind of knew that. But I just I would I expected a lot more out of the offense, and it just wasn't happening in that game. And I thought it would against a young, 
not that great of a Detroit Lions defense. Jared Goff that day threw for 340 yards, two touchdown passes, 31 of 41 through the air. He's back, of course. And uh, but but look at the well, well, give me some rushing stats that the Lions have. Swift 14 for 62, a touchdown. Williams 11 for 35, touchdown. Those are the leaders. Okay, and so I mean they didn't run the ball a bunch. No, but they ran it. I mean, look, enough. Williams ran it with success, and and that was I think key. But Jared Goff was just, you know, it's having his way. How many times did he get sacked? Let's see here. Uh, one and a half, two. Okay. And so not a ton of pressure. And that's – Yeah, that's it. You know, we knew last year, look, that uh, they – they, and still a bit of a question mark this year. Where are you going to get the pass rush, the pressure from the inside of the pocket? And it's a bit of a question mark last year. It was a bit of a – it's still a, a question mark this year. And you knew that the Detroit Lions had two premier tackles, so you knew that it was going to be tough sledding to get pressure on Jared Goff. Chad Muma had a sack and a half in that game, by the way, and 11 tackles. Yeah, one one of, I think that's one of the games he started. It was. Yeah, he had, yeah. you know, I don't want to say a good game because of, they scored a the ton 40. of points. <laughs> they scored 40. You, you, can't, you can't say any defender had a good game when, they, when the offense puts up 40, 40 yeah. points. But uh, learning experience and then uh, the ensuing games, the Jaguars got on a roll, and it, it was fun. Let's come back. We'll look ahead to Saturday. Playing time. Who's going? Who's not? Coach Lagerman will give mm. us his answers when we come back. It's the Doug Peterson Show on Jaguars Radio. Welcome back. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now. Final moments of the Doug Peterson Show from the Team Hotel in Troy, Michigan, just outside of Detroit. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. The Jaguars and the Lions coming up Saturday, 1 o'clock kickoff time from Ford Field, Detroit. It's preseason week two. They got some work against the Lions and pads yesterday. Without pads today, a lot of starting reps out there the last two days. So for the, you might not see many of those guys go on Saturday. You'll see a few. Who, yeah. sh- who should play in well, the game? B- before we go to the game, just real quick, I think as a player, when, when you have the opportunity to, to change up the schedule doing this kind of a thing, you know, where you travel and you practice against a team, it was great because it just broke up the monotony. And, uh, and it wasn't like it was a – of, this is not a pleasure trip. It's still a business trip, but it's just nice because it's different. And when you have the opportunity to play in a game as far as who's going to play, who's not going to play, I think we're going to see a lot of backups in this situation. We'll see some select starters that, that they feel like that they need the reps. Uh, and I think on offense, you know, your, your young players, your young tackle, Walker Little will probably play. If, uh, if, health, if he's healthy, Anton Harrison will probably play a little bit as long as he's not at risk of getting a setback with the shoulder. Uh, I think the interior guys, uh, I would be surprised if, if your center Fortner goes yeah. or if Sheriff goes, your skill position guys, your starters are not going to go would be my guess. Trevor, no. And uh, this would be a great opportunity for that second tier of wide receivers that we talked about earlier Huge. about being really a, a really good group. I think the big the, night for them. The running backs, you know, Snoop Connor, Dearness Johnson, Tank Bigsby, this is a great opportunity to see them. And uh, and then the the backup tight ends. I mean, we we've been talking about, uh, and we like Farrell as an inline blocker. He's probably going to play because you want to still to get him some reps. But I, I'm a big fan of Prince and Garrett we, Prince. We saw a lot of really good things from him in camp, and then in the Dallas game, it was it was okay. I want to see him get some more opportunities at catching the ball here in Detroit. Defensively, who needs to play? 
Well, I, I think a lot of those guys need to play. You know, when I say a lot of those guys, I, mean, I don't want to see Foyer. I know he can lead the league in tackles. He's fine. Um, Devin Lloyd, I might get him some snaps. You know, he, look, he struggled last year. Here would be an opportunity for him to play without having Foyer on the field and to let him kind of be the captain on the field a little mm-hmm. bit. So I would probably play him. Uh, I, Trayvon's a young player. You know, he needs some reps. I, I would maybe be inclined to play him. Tyson Campbell, he's proven, okay? I, I, I want to I make sure that I keep him in bubble wrap. And you've got some other guys at corner you want to see out there and, and, and maybe see. Well, and that's a position that you don't want to have an injury at. Yeah, that's okay. It. So yeah. I think your, your starters there are going to be put on the shelf. Your safeties, and look, I, I'm a big fan of, of Rayshon Jenkins and Cisco, but I don't need to see him. I wish Antonio Johnson were going to be healthy. I would have loved to see him get a start. Yeah, uh, injured his hamstring yesterday. Could be a little bit of time for him. We'll see what happens moving ahead. Looking forward to the game this Saturday in Detroit. The Lions and the Jaguars preseason week two, and we'll be two-thirds of the way home to the regular season. I'm, I'm ready for the regular season. I think we all but are I'm, But I'm point. not ready to bypass this opportunity to look at the roster because this is very important. That's Jeff Lagerman. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Thanks to our, enti- our entire crew, and thank you for listening and watching. This is the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars Radio Network.